on this episode of the Talent Cast. If I could ask you professionally, what is the one thing you want? The one thing you as a recruitment marketer, talent acquisition, recruiter type person, employer brand type person wants? What is the one thing you want? I bet I know what the answer is. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. We're here to talk about employer branding and talent acquisition, talent recruitment marketing at some fairly deep levels. We're not here to pitch books. We're not here to pitch software. This is a 100% pitch-free zone. We're here to go back to first principles and really think through what it's going to take for you to be better at employer brand and talent acquisition, for you to win the war for talent. Yes, that's a bad metaphor. Yes, people shouldn't say it. Yes, it's also my Twitter handle, so I can't help you. This will not be your standard podcast. This will be a little goofy, a little weird, a little bit of me. Hopefully, you're going to learn something from it. If you like it, please tell people. Uh, If you like it a lot, review us on iTunes and Google Play. Otherwise, you can hear, learn more about us or talk to us directly on Twitter, again, at The War for Talent, or just go to our website, thetalentcast.com. So that having been said, here's the show. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Thanks so much for listening. We're going to jump right into this thing. So yeah, what is the one thing? If I was Santa Claus or Sinterklaas or wherever you are in the particular uh, jolly old uh, chubby elf that brings you holiday goodies, whatever your particular religion or culture says that person is, if that person showed up and said, hey, look, I can't make you any thinner can't make you a pile of money. Uh, I can't give you six-pack abs. However, professionally, I can give you one thing. What would you ask for? And I bet if you thought about it for a minute, maybe even two, maybe had a drink, maybe kind of let it percolate in your head, the thing you really want is a seat at the table. You want an a, a ch- opportunity to be part of the decision-making process, to truly be at the table where the decisions get made, where the power happens, where things really happen. Instead of being an order taker, instead of being someone who has given orders, you were there helping shape and influence the decisions. That's ultimately what you want. And that's a big ask. That's a big ask. The number one complaint among HR professionals is that they feel like they're not having a seat at the table. You go to the Twitter chats, you go look at the articles, it's all about, oh, I can't get to see the table. HR and talent acquisition are treated as, as, as uh, cost centers or no one asks us, no one gives us a chance to help them and we're not playing a role. We're simply just doing what we're told to do and that's no fun. No one wants to do that. Well, that's not true. Lots of people want to do that. But if you're listening to this podcast, that doesn't sound like you. You want to take a more active approach to figuring out how do you influence the power couple elements to this I want to break down before we get too far into it. The first is we have to make a clear line between HR and talent acquisition. Not because I don't love HR and, well, my feelings on HR have, are complicated, but they're well known and that is simply HR and TA are different. They are so different. The fact that Talent acquisition likely lives under your HR function where you are. It's it's more for, I don't really know. They think it's because it stems from a long time ago because HR is focused on rules and focused on avoiding lawsuits. I mean, really, the existence of HR is a function of keeping the business from being sued. And 
because hiring people is an opportunity to get sued like crazy in this country especially, it lives under HR. That is, HR plays defense. Their job is to keep anybody from doing anything that might put them in a position to get sued. Like the legal team, their job is to see everything as the worst case scenario. They build and abide by rules because doing so keeps them protected from lawsuits, right? They can't get sued for discrimination if no one knows the color of that person's skin or no one knows the gender or religion or what have you, the age, whatever it is. So they make rules to protect people, to protect the company from getting sued. The fact that they're called human resources suggests that they're there to help the humans, and that's wrong. They're there to help the company manage humans. Simple as that. HR plays defense. They're there to keep from getting sued. Talent acquisition plays offense. They're out there looking for talent. They're going and playing an active role in finding good people. They're more likely to understand the business that with which they're working, right? If HR is there to provide and create rules that keep them from getting sued, talent is there to help them grow. They're help, there to help find the people who are going to make the next big innovative leap, who are going to be the next great sales manager, who are going to be the next great creative spark to whatever they're doing next. That's what talent acquisition, when it's working perfectly, is supposed to do. Now, that's a really rosy scenario. <laughs> Let's be perfectly blunt. That's a really rosy scenario, and that almost never happens. Talent acquisition tends to get lumped in with HR, and they tend to be told, you're a cost center, you're expensive, I have to pay your salary, and you don't bring cash into the table. You don't do anything to make money happen. Now, we all know that's a lie, that without you and your recruiters, how would you find the talent who does bring in the sales, who do bring in the big ideas, who do bring in the innovation? But because it's a step, step separated, and because when the salesperson goes, uh, I, I, I sold this amazing, amazing package and we just made a million dollars, they never turn around and thank the recruiter for bringing them in. That doesn't usually happen. If it does, I want to hear about that. That is a great story. But generally, we take a very narrow view. We say, ah, the, the salesperson brought in the sale. All glory goes to the salesperson, not to the recruiter who found that salesperson, found that they were a good match, and pitched him, pitched him or her really hard to the hiring manager to make it happen. The recruiters, the talent acquisition never get the credit. Now, if talent acquisition wants to be at the table, not only does it have to explain and show, highlight how it gets the business, how it understands what the business is trying to do, because HR usually doesn't think in terms of business, right? Human resources people don't generally have business degrees. They have other degrees, right? They're not steeped in the concept of profit and loss statements or sales processes or funnels or what have you. A lot of them do. A lot of them are amazing at that. But generally, they're seen as being HR people, people who say, I know the rules and what you're allowed and not allowed to do and what puts us at a, at a, at a risk and what puts us at disadvantage. That's what HR is, looked, is tasked with doing. Consequently, they aren't seen, true or not, accurate or not, they're not seen as aligned to the business. Now, there's a gray area for HR business partners who do very often know the business very, very well, but again, they're there to translate the business needs into the rules that HR follows. Consequently, they're still playing defense. Talent acquisition plays offense. So as we move into 2018, We've already talked about budgets a little bit, but I want to get more granular about how you can leverage budget planning 
to present yourself as a player in the business, creating an active role within the business so that by the time 2019 rolls around, you are seen as the expert who needs to be part of the process, who, who has a seat at the table. None of this is fast. <laughs> I, I literally know I just said 2019. That is a full year away. You, it takes time to do this. So step one happens today, and that is based in budget planning. Why? Because businesses think in money. Businesses have three rules. <laughs> They're existing for three things. Make money, save money, create brand awareness. If you can show how you're doing one of those three things, the business will take you seriously. And talent acquisition has a hard time connecting to those. HR even more so. And that's tough. That's really tough. That's where the real issue is. So what you're going to do is start by saying, okay, we're going to plan our, our budgets. Because again, even if you can't directly correlate what you're doing to making money or saving money or creating brand awareness, you can at least start to think like the people you're trying to, inter to influence, and that is starting with the money. So how should you plan your budget? Now go back to the other podcast about planning budgets and how the goal there was to say, start with a clean sheet of paper. Don't take the, the bait of saying, okay, I'm going to do what I did last year plus 3%, which is a great, which is just a trap. It's a trap. Don't do it. Start with a clean sheet of paper. And what do you do with that sheet of paper? Ha ha ha. This is where things get fun. Do you know what the business plans to do next year? Does it plan to grow? Does it plan to stay steady? Does it plan to go by 2%? Does it plan to build a brand new plant in Saskatoon or Savannah or wherever, The Hague? I don't know. I'm just picking places. Do you know you're building a, uh, 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 a new factory? Do you know if you're building a new sales office or a shared service center or a whatever? Pardon my cough. What does the business want to do? Understand, go back to your data. And presumably you have access to some data. Look at your churn rates. Did you see a 10% turnover this year? 20%, 30%, 40%. Okay. If you have 100 people and you have a 20% turnover rate, guess what? You need to plan to hire 20 people this year. If you know you're going to grow 10%, you need to know you're going to hire 10% of 100 is 10. On top of the 20 with its churn, you need to hire 30 people. This is how businesses think. They like little spreadsheets and you put this information together and you say, look, each department has this kind of churn rate. They're this size. Here's your anticipated growth. Here's the number of people we need to hire and where they are and what roles they're going to be. We can predict this, at which point the business goes, cool. That's pretty cool. Then you say, okay, some of these roles are entry level. Great. You know you're going to focus on uh, your colleges and your universities and when they graduate and say, we're going to try and do as much of the hiring there as possible because it's cheaper to hire there. These kids don't know how much they're worth. Generally, they're not worth too, worth too much, but <laughs> we're going to hire entry level and we're going to hire as much as out of school as we can because by doing it in bulk and by... Uh, uh, um, doing it in, in, in big packages instead of one at a time, we get to save a lot of money. Oh, there was a magic word, save some money. Great, business is listening. And then you say, okay, some of those people we need to hire are mid-level people. And we know based on the data that it takes them a couple of weeks to a couple of months to decide they want to apply. They're not perpetually looking, but if they see something interesting, they'll engage. And you know that, <clears throat> excuse me, a handful of those people you're looking to hire 
maybe you don't know exactly who, but they're senior level people, meaning those people already know what companies they leave for. And the people who you would hire already know that you are one of their companies. Even if it's a year before you actually hire them, they already know. So your job at this stage as a talent acquisition employer brand type person is to say, we need to hire three senior level people this year. We need to create brand awareness now. We might not hire them for three or six or 12 months, but the brand awareness starts today. Otherwise, you're going to have to spend a megaton of cash on agency fees, search fees. Just, just go put all your money in a truck and back it up to the agency. <laughs> just give it to them and say, bring me a person or bring me a couple of names. You don't want to do that. That's how you spend money. And as business, as we know, businesses like to make money, save money, or build brand awareness. Showing that you're saving agency fees by saying we can anticipate where we need to hire and how to hire and what their, their, their consumer cycles are puts you in the framework of understanding how a business works. And the rest of the business will go, you get us. You understand what's going on. Take it a step further. Go build yourself out a, a, goal, a good old matrix and say, okay, here on the left-hand side, here are the roles based on churn, based on anticipated hiring needs, based on anticipated growth. Here are the roles we need to hire for. Then say, where are those people? So if you're hiring entry level, you know they're on colleges. Great. You know spending time on Snapchat might make sense. Spending time on LinkedIn may make less sense. Spending time on the ladders makes no sense. You know what channels those audiences care about or engage with. The problem I see is that companies try to spend money everywhere. They kind of just spread it out. And a lot of them are like air cover spends. Like, yeah, we're going to buy a bunch of, uh, a bunch of listings on uh, Monster or Career Builder or Indeed. Or we're, gonna just, we're just going to put them out there because we don't know where to find people, but we're hoping they're going to be there. Or we're going to spend a lot of money on ads that are going to show up on lots of different networks. We don't know who they're being shown to or when, but we need to do it. Ah, uh, we need to be on Facebook. Why? Because we need to be on Facebook. How much does that cost? Because we need to be on Facebook. It's killing you. It's killing you. That kind of engagement is what makes the business go, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> However, but by mapping it out and building that matrix of here are the roles, here's where they live, and then you can create some correlations about this is where we should be spending our money to achieve those goals. The business goes, you know, that's funny. That's what we do. Whether it's your sales organization, or your marketing organization, or your, your uh, technology, your development organization, your engineering development, or whatever, they all have that same process. What are we trying to achieve? How do we achieve it? They get that. That is how the business thinks. And again, by creating parallelism between how you do things and how they do things, you are far more likely to get their attention. You are far more likely to be influential in terms of how to make things happen. But that's just step one. That's just the budget cycle. That's just, let's call it December. That's how you're gonna do December. The next step is complicated, but by no means unimportant. And that is, if you say you're playing offense, you're gonna go find these amazing talented people. And then you say, here's how our plan to do it is. Here's how we're going to make it happen. We're going to spend a lot of money on Facebook or Snapchat or LinkedIn or Indeed or Career Builder or Glassdoor or wherever the hell. I get no money from any of these people, remember. I don't care. Um, the next 
problem or situation is to say, how are we doing? Hey, uh, just interrupting myself for just a second, just to remind you that because this podcast has made me extraordinarily wealthy, there's really nothing you can do. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to make any commercials or anything. You do not have to donate anything at all to keep this podcast going. Again, wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you all. I appreciate it. All you can do to help me make this podcast even better somehow is to review us on iTunes and Google Play and other places that you review and share podcast information. That's all you got to do. Leave some stars, leave a review, whatever you got to do. We really appreciate it. It's what keeps us going. Thanks to the people who've done it already, but keep them coming. We really do, like I said, we really do appreciate that. That's all I had to say. Again, I want to stop interrupting myself to bring you the amazing voices of me. Bye. As we talked about in a previous podcast, quality is complicated. What your business partners want is for you to help them hire the best people. How do you define best? How do you define quality? That's a whole other episode. You should dive deeply into my catalog, I guess. I don't know. But most talent acquisition spaces don't ever go back and say, how are we doing? Did we find somebody? How could we be better? Now, now granted, asking your business partners how to be better, it's kind of like when your cable company says, how can we be better? Well, there's a legion, there's a myriad of ways in which you can be better. You can provide better services. You can be lower cost. You can actually show up on time. But you have to define what's the most important element you're bringing to the table. You need to be able to say what people care about is quality, speed, uh, timing, uh, planning, and say that's what we're going to measure ourselves on. That's what you're going to ask for feedback on. And asking for feedback is terrifying. (laughs) Asking for feedback is literally saying, would you mind taking this stick and hitting me in the face with it? Oh, sure. They're going to do it nicely. They're going to say something positive about you at the beginning and something positive about you in the end. But in the middle, they're going to take a stick and they're going to smack you in the face with it. They're going to do that thing when they say something nice, what they really think, and then something nice again. And that sucks. But until you know what they need, until you know how they perceive what you're doing and what you're delivering, you can't know if you're doing a good job. Because ultimately, what you're trying to do is be a consultant to them. Help them bring to bear your expertise about how to find amazing people. Look, your business partners, the the people on the other side of the table, are wonderful, smart, kind, attractive, sweet people. And they know their shit. They know what they're doing. They know how to sell. They know how to market. They know how to develop. They know how to manage teams. They know how to do all of these things. And, And as someone who's spent a lifetime in the web space, I understand this problem. As a web developer and as a web designer, Everybody thought that because they used the web, they were also a designer, and they thought they were entitled to their opinion about what shade of blue I should have chosen for the background, or what level of uh, navigation should there be, or what should that label be. They thought because they used the system, they knew the system, and were entitled to an opinion equal to my own. And that was a lie. (laughs) That was a misunderstanding. In the same way, just because they hire people, they pretend they know as much as you do. And they don't. And the only way to kind of present that is saying, look, you're wonderful, smart, attractive, kind, sweet people. However, we know better than you do. 
and we're here to help. It's usually the last part of that sentence that never get happens. Usually you just say, look, we know this better. Let's just let us take this over. And you have to create a partnership with a business. Otherwise, what you want to do will never happen. And this is a lesson I'm learning every day and having it reinforced every single day is that by yourself, you do not achieve the change. By yourself, you can uh, shout, you can tilt at windmills, you can uh, make a lot of noise, but you can't create change by yourself. Can't be done. Change happens when everybody buys in and says, yes, let's make that happen. Let's make that happen together. And that means not just compromise, but influencing, helping people see what could be down the road and how you can play a part and how they can play a part, right? These people who are your business partners, they want to play a role. They want to have the best people. They don't want to just give it to you and say, you bring me people because that assumes that they don't know what they're talking about and they don't, they don't know what they need. And that's a kick in the ego that nobody wants. You need to be consultative. Hey, we know that there is, yes, developer market is super tight. It's super, super tight in two months when this happens. So we need you to hire now or you need to hunker down and survive for six months before we can hire somebody. That's consultative, making them aware that things are happening. Hey, you need to hire the next uh, team manager. Maybe you should wait until we have a new class of people from college for entry level so you can promote from within and increase morale and do all the wonderful things that promoting from within does. That's consultative. That's what they want from you. Whether they say it or not, that's what they want. But you need to ask for feedback. You need to give them ways of measuring the value you're bringing to the table because that's the only way you're going to get to the table. And so over a year of asking for feedback and delivering results and showing how we mapped these needs based on churn, based on uh, business growth, based on your planning, you asked to grow the business 20%. Well, to do that, you have to hire 20% more people. The CEO cannot simply say, hey, everybody, we're going to grow our business by 20% and that be a surprise to talent acquisition and HR. You have to be able to say, great, we want to help you grow. We, we absolutely want to help you grow. And this is what it costs to grow. This is what we have. These are the number of recruiters we have. This is the number of dollars we have to do recruitment marketing. And you're asking for X and we have Y. And here's where the gap is. And if you just complain or you just say, here's the gap, it looks like you're complaining and that gets you nowhere. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. What you need to do is establish a plan based on data, ask for feedback, listen to the feedback, show how you're changing based on the feedback, showing on a quarterly basis how your plan is working. Hey, turns out you plan on a 20% churn. Something's going on. You're seeing 25 and 30% churn. That has a business impact. And if you treat it like, hey, there's something wrong, you should fix it, well, you're not part of the business. You're not, part, you're not being a consultant. You're not going to get a seat at the table. You're just a complaining person who points at problems and says someone should fix that. Or you can say, look, you, let me talk to HR. Maybe we need some talent development support here. Maybe we need, if the issue is manager, maybe we need to train better managers or hire better managers. We can fix these things. These are all fixable problems. But if the business seems to think is you are the person who just brings people to the interview and that's it, they're never going to let you in. But if you build a plan, enact the plan, measure the plan, and ask for feedback, suddenly you're setting the stage for a 2019 conversation where you say, look, here's what we did in 2018. Here was our planning stage. Here's how it worked. Here's the results. Here are the testimonials from business partners who said, yes, this was working. 
or this wasn't working and when it doesn't work, this is what we did. That's how you begin to have the conversation with the C-suite on whatever level and say, we need to be part of the process. We understand how you think. We understand what the business needs just as well as the business does, but we bring our own expertise to bear around talent. And that's how you get to see the table. Oh, it was a nice short podcast. <laughs> Not as fun as I wanted to be, but whatever. You're going to do it. Um, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for sharing. I appreciate it. Thanks for reviewing us. All that wonderful stuff. I do appreciate it. Um, it's been an amazing year. We're, this is episode 56. Um, I don't know that I expected to be here. So uh, 56 episodes in and still having stuff to say. Hopefully you're getting some value out of it. If you are, share it. Tell me. Tell your friends. Um, otherwise, have a great week and I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.